0: Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bobblitz, and welcome back for the week of June 17th, 2018, otherwise known as Ordinary Number 11. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to have you back if you're coming back. And I hope that you had a good last week. I know I've had a very busy week with getting a pastor retirement and dealing with a couple other personal issues. It's been a very busy week for me and I hope that you're taking some time for rest and relaxation like we talked about a couple weeks ago. But before we get back into this week's podcast, I want to make a shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly, highly recommend it. Their Sermon Braidways podcast I'll be referencing throughout this podcast this week. I'd highly recommend it. Between their commentaries and their additional other resources for leaders It's worth checking out, it's worth looking into, and I'd highly recommend spending some time over there and looking into their ministry tools. And this week, I want to also say, I'm going to take a different approach of how we're going to look at these readings, because I feel there is a point, a a way that we can look at this that really helps us kind of understand how God is changing throughout these texts. That if we read them in... The way I typically do, I think we miss it. I think it will make more sense this way, and it will help illustrate the point that I'm going to kind of bring out, how God works through these things that we might see as insignificant, and that he works through, he's a changing and ever-evolving God. I think that's really important to understand. So, as we get into this week, the first reading is from Ezekiel chapter 17, verses 22 through 24. And this is kind of what I would say this traditional version or traditional viewpoint of God in the Old Testament. We get this very strong image of a cedar. We have to remember we're dealing with the Middle East. So we're dealing with a fairly arid region. So a cedar is going to be a very strong tree and it's kind of reference and inferring to the cedars of Lebanon, which we'll get to a little bit in the psalm. And that's still the tree that's on the flag for Lebanon. So it's seen as this strong and noble tree. It even states, and bears fruit and provide shade and provide shelter. Place it on a mountain. Look at this mighty thing. And that's kind of what we get out of the Ezekiel reading. And like I kind of referenced, I'm going to skip then to the psalm. Psalm 92, verses 1 through 4 and 12 through 15. Side fact that was brought up in the Sermon Brainwaves podcast this is a Sabbath day psalm. And again, we kind of get this playing majestic music for the Most High. And then we get into the a palm tree or a cedar tree being looked at as this strong and mighty that, that it's being placed on a rock and it's strong that that's how we're looking at our God. And how I would look at it, kind of comparing it to what some people might consider high church. This very strong image of God. A very, I am lowly, he is most high image. And I think kind of the transition that we start to get is in the alternative first reading this week. Which is First Samuel chapter 15 verses 34 through chapter 16 verse 13. And this kind of continues to build off of the alternative reading schedule from last week. So you have where Saul is starting to go probably a little bit crazy, and Samuel is kind of is very sad about what's going on. He's grieving. The Lord kind of is trying to pull him out of it and saying, I've told you that you need to move on from this king. And I have set aside someone and just do what I'm telling you to do. And we have to remember part of why this is probably a big thing is Jesse's kind of overthrowing the structure of their government at this point. He is being told to betray the king. And so I can understand how he'd be kind of grappling with this with God. So he finally agrees and he goes to the house of Jesse, which has his sons there. And Samuel kind of then makes... This is everybody here. I'm not, the Lord is saying that it's not any of these. And while there's one more, he's out with the sheep. And he comes in and according to verse 12, he was now ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And we have to remember part of this is probably because he's working with sheep. He's fending off lions. He's he's strong. It's probably kind of, I think of almost Hugh Jackman or a strong upper-bodied person being this The Rock, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson type of picture coming in. But he's still a teenager at this point. He's young. He's not an adult. And that's who God has chosen. And I think it's this slight change. We have the physical physique of this strong, masculine person, but he's not of age yet. But it also, one of the things, again, that they bring up in Sermon Brainwaves that I think is a very important theme to kind of bring out here is that leaders at the time were kind of seen as shepherds. That they were leading their flocks. That kings were leading the flock of the nation. But again, we have to also remember in that same note that shepherds were considered fairly low society. They weren't looked upon super highly. It wasn't like that was a prestigious job to have as a shepherd. So to me, this is where you start getting a shift in how we're looking at God. Because, okay, Daniel is going to be kind of the voice the leader of Israel and kind of the voice for God here on earth kind of thinking of it that way then we get into the gospel which is gospel of mark chapter 4 verses 26 through 34 but rewind a little bit this is where this is coming right after we got the parable of the farmer scattering the seeds some land in good soil some land in rocky soil and you're getting all the different examples of faith but then you get this right afterwards The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow and he does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stock, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. And that's starting in 26 going through 29. So again, this image of, in a way, the kingdom of God, we don't have to do anything. The kingdom of God just happens. It's just there. It's just moving. It's just going. So kind of an interesting image of God. And we'll get into that in a moment. But then you get this other parable that they're asking about. And that's where we get the mustard seed. And probably many of us have heard that it's the smallest of the seeds, but it becomes, quote, the greatest of all shrubs. And again, Sermon Brainwaves kind of compared it to a lilac bush to kind of give size and how it kind of works. I kind of get that. I think maybe kind of crossing that a little bit with like a sumac kind of to give you some size ideas. But we have to remember kind of where the disciples coming from on this. Mustard seed is a very small seed to begin with. Two, the mustard that you are thinking of that's yellow, that's a little bit different. I'll provide some mustard facts Along with it, there's a couple different, I think kind of more Dijon mustard type of color. But there are some additional medicinal purposes to a mustard plant. Also, think of a mustard plant as something that you're not stopping and really looking at. It's something that's very common. It's a shrub that's very common and as it kind of gets into further in the reading that it provides shelter for birds, it provides shade. It's and that's what Jesus is talking about that it's he's using something ordinary, something common, something that you're not really going out of your way to see. And so that's where then we get into 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 6 through 10, optionally 11 through 13. And then also 14 through 17. And again, it, it's kind of building off of what Paul's been kind of talking about the last few weeks in the Corinthians readings. Kind of that the love of Christ is flowing in you and that your body is just a vessel for what the love of Christ that has been building in you. And the verse that's probably the most famous, I think, and it kind of summarizes the reading the best is verse 17. So, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Colon. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And again, it's kind of, I feel, summarizes what we've seen here in these passages. We kind of have the traditional vision and imagery of God, the strong and mighty God. And then we start getting. Even in the alternative first reading, a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a change. We're going to a younger, we're going to someone less experienced, we're going to the lowly. And then we get this imagery of what Jesus is telling us in these parables that the kingdom of God, one, just happens, and two, that he takes the most ordinary plant that that the disciples and that this area is accustomed to and is using it. So I was kind of thinking about this, and I've kind of had a, a, I've gone birding this week with a friend of mine, and we ended up in an area that was public land, and many would consider kind of wasteland, I think is one way of maybe putting it, and I would argue that this, to me, is an image of what God is talking about, and so where we were, we were in a bog area. So if you don't know what a bog is, a bog is an area, kind of think of it as kind of a floodplain that has plants growing in it. So we were able to say lady slippers and irises, those hummocks of moss. So it looks like it. there's solid ground at spots, and in spots there are, but there's other spots that when you push down, put your foot down, the, the moss squishes down and all of a sudden water seeps in. So there was times that I was up to my knees in water. There was plenty of times the water over my shoe tops. There were other times we were in kind of these easily floodable woodland plains, but they weren't flooded at that time. We were going in there and kind of just seeing and hearing what birds were there. And there was a couple things that kind of struck me. One, the first point count of the day, I had a hard time hearing what I should be hearing. Kind of gets back into that rest and relaxation one we had a couple weeks ago. I was so unaccustomed to how quiet it was that he is going through and has way more experience with this. And is nailing off all these different birds he's hearing. And some of them I just wasn't hearing. Because my body, my brain was having such a hard time dealing with the silence and dealing with how quiet it was. Which we'll get into a little bit too here in a second. But too, then I get into these places and I'm starting to enjoy and absorb the refreshment of these areas with the occasionally it was kind of weird how close we were to the road and and yet i felt at peace i felt that i was away from everything i'm in the you know one that kind of comes to my brain is we were kind of in this flood plained forest with tall cedars and and tons of water undergrowth it was beautiful we had a canadian wobbler come in northern water thrush birds that aren't real common And so then we ended up in an aspen floodplain across the way that had spots where we started getting into tamarack and spruce bog, and we ended up finding a golden-winged warbler. And for me, it's a very common bird that I've been raised in and have heard plenty of times. I've seen them plenty of times. But 75% of the world's population is between Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and the rest of the United States is really struggling to have this bird there. And so it's really easy for me to feel blind to the, I'm so accustomed these, these guys are around, to understand that these guys are really struggling. And again, it, so these are easy to see as, oh, these are so valuable once we put it in the full context. But again, the image and the thing that we're missing in this is the magic, the specialness of the place was the wasteland, quote-unquote, the bog. The bog is kind of this place, because humans kind of see it as a wasteland, it's untouched. Nature kind of does what nature does. The kingdom, like, what they talk about, how the kingdom will grow and just happen. That's what happens there. There's no one who puts fertilizer down. There's no one who really cuts down trees and monitors it and makes sure it's all healthy. It has to kind of be. It's hard to get to. It's hard to walk around in for us. Was The morning started out in the mid-50s. The water was not super warm. times, my toes were getting cold as I'm walking through it. But as an ecologist, not only because we're having this bird species that we're looking for and noticing that populations are dipping, I also know it's a very important property for small mammals, but more important for climate change theory, that We need these bogs, we need these areas that turn into like a a water, a heat sink, a carbon sink, to be perfectly honest. Water will hold lots of carbon. One of the problems that we're running into, and we'll probably talk about another time, is the acidity of the ocean. And and that's because the water will soak in and hold all that carbon. So these quote-unquote wastelands are super important to help with climate change, to be able to hold and maintain some of this carbon so that it's not out in the atmosphere. So again, this area that's seen as a wasteland, super, super important. And it's super cool because you also have birds that, again, are still on their migratory route or maybe because there isn't a ton of humans will stay a little bit further south like Blackburnian wobblers. If you haven't looked up a Blackburnian wobbler, I'm going to put attachment. It's an absolutely gorgeous bird, highly underrated. Super gorgeous bird, black and white wobbler, that are in these plains. And the cool thing is when you get into these bogs, you can kind of start to kind of give an, an idea how old the bog is by what type of plants are there. So when they're early and young in development, you get tamaracks. Tamaracks are, again, it's a species of pine. It's super cool because it's one of the only ones in North America at minimum that drops its needles every year. So like an oak or a maple, the needles will change color kind of to an orangish auburn color and will drop its needles. You can maybe find them around a lake and it becomes actually very photogenic. It's really cool. But as they're in the bog for so long, the bog continues to change. And at some point you start noticing that there are less and less tamaracks and more and more black spruce which is another type of pine that will kind of come in and it's more developed bogs so will have black spruce and that's where for me the image of how a bog evolves and how important a bog is really works well with these readings a bog is seen as a wasteland kind of going back to the gospel reading that he's using something that's the ordinary it's the lowly it's the it's, it's the mustard plant it's I wouldn't say they're overly common now because our ancestors in Northern, in Wisconsin and Minnesota did a lot of draining of them. But there's still plenty of spots, and they're not highly desired. They're not looked at as great, but as we've kind of talked about, they're very important for birds, for animals, for our planet, for maintaining what we're accustomed to. But it continues to evolve, just kind of like how we are seeing God evolve in these readings. Neither the tamarack nor the black spruce are going to be looked at like an oak or a maple, as this super strong, powerful, amazing tree. They're not the tallest trees. They're not the biggest trees. They're in rough conditions. It's not easy living in a bog, in a kind of a semi-floating abyss. It's not an easy life it's not like people are going to be comparing themselves to a black spruce but as we've kind of talked about it's really important and it does serve a purpose a very important purpose for many birds come through there and use that area and partially because it's not touched partially because it's hard for humans to get to partially because of the rustic nature of it that's where they want to be so it is super important That new creation, that revelation within us and understanding that as we go forward is really important. I am part of this millennial generation that many people have stated we're lazy, we're interesting, they don't quite understand us, and I understand some of that. I understand there's things that I do that I know make both my parents' eyes roll, and I get it. There's times that I'm even conflicted. The thing I find really interesting about it to put it into a human issue is I don't see us that much different than the hippies of the 1960s. And the funny thing that I find with it is a lot of the people who are complaining about millennials are the baby boomer generation, in my opinion. The baby boomers, how I look at them is they were innovative. They lived a little bit differently at the time. They roughed up some edges, a little countercultural. Some things maybe weren't the greatest, but they tried pushing forward innovation, tried pushing forward new ideas, some of which have stuck, some of them haven't. And I look at that and compare it to what I, how I look at myself and how I look at my generation, and I don't see that many differences. I find it just really interesting that that's the generation who's really criticizing millennials and Gen Xs. And it's just that we're not communicating on the same plane. We're not sitting down and talking, probably like we should. But again, I don't feel this is that much different than the church. The church is needing to evolve. The church is needing to take in new ideas and try them out and see what works. What we might find and what we might assume is a bog and as a wasteland might turn into something amazing and gorgeous and beautiful. The Minnesota State flower is the pink lady slipper. And the only places you find pink lady slippers are in bogs, are in these sensitive areas that are hard to go and find. But when you find them, they're gorgeous, they're beautiful, and they're worth the trip. And I think that's where I see that we're at right now with our world, with our church, with our Christian faith community. So I know this is a little bit different format, a little bit different style that I typically do with a faith and science podcast, but the Twitter question of the week for this week will be, where is the wasteland that you see that could become valuable? And one of them that also kind of comes to mind as we've kind of discussed and as I've thought about this is we've talked about Chernobyl and how nature just kind of overcomes things doesn't let it stand in the way kingdom of god is the same way so where do you see the the wasteland becoming the kingdom of god it's a better way of phrasing it so i'm excited to hear your feedback excited to hear do you like this format do you like how this worked this week i'd love to hear feedback helps me continue to bring you these podcasts make it more applicable to what your listening needs are as a leader in this church so we'll wrap it up as we always do I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.